So it's day 10 of the London Film Festival. It's, yes, this is a busy day, man. I've had some great conversations, so I'm going to bring you those. Um, Yeah, it was interesting. The films that were on display really kind of highlighted um, just who people are and how we're viewing things in society. But... um, yeah, and hopefully you will, uh, yeah, you'll enjoy that. Um, I had a really great chat with Amanda, um, Amanda Kramer, um, who's the director of, um, the director of uh, Lady World, and um, I also had a great chat with Georgia Paris. Um, and I'm going to bring you her conversation and film um, next week. But yeah, hope you enjoy. So I started the day off with Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, this is the new film from director Marielle Heller. It's produced by Anne Keary. Anne Nuakas and Dave Yanel. Uh, it's written by Nicole Holhofsener and Jeff Whitty. And it's starring Melissa McCarthy, Richard E. Grant, Dolly Wells, Jane Curtin and Ben Falcon. It's 109 minutes and it's from Fox Searchlight pictures and the breakdown is um here's a quintessentially new york movie where city loneliness can be soothed by a kind face at a bookstore counter it's the early 1990s and lee israel is a writer out of fashion her celebrity biographies aren't selling she can't get over her ex-girlfriend and she's been thrown out of every literary party in town for drunkenness on top of it all her cat is sick dark times call for desperate measures spurred on by the roguish drinking buddy jack who's played by richard e grant Israel turns to a get-rich-quick scheme that uses her research skills plus a little knack for improvisation. Ah. Next thing, she's selling some newly discovered correspondence from Noel Coward among other literary giants. Director Mirella Heller follows the diary of a teenage girl with this irresistible tale of female crime genius. McCarthy is a revelation as Israel, a difficult woman whom she imbues with poignancy and a great line in alcohol-fueled barbs. Whether it's trading insults with Jack at the bar or making prank calls by 
impersonating Nora Ephron. McCarthy almost makes you believe Israel's only defiant assertion. I'm a better Dorothy Parker than Dorothy Parker. This is, I would say, it's a, it's a very kind of sedate film. You know, it's not full of, like, constant quick barbs. It's not full of, like, action or, like, high-paced at all. It's very slow-moving and deliberate. But the thing that really drives this is its performances. And Melissa McCarthy is extremely good like she really yeah like portrays this drunken person who's closed herself off from the rest of society and who's in a bit of a bind where she can go with her career like also Richard E. Grant is so good at playing this over the top um like lying rogue essentially yeah he he just really goes at the role hard and i think that's probably what is needed to counterbalance mccarthy's kind of stoicness um, so, yeah, it's like the film kind of like it plods along, um, and I think there's some moments with the cat that really let you see like um, McCarthy project a role in different ways because you're seeing this new emotion this new kind of sense of caring that isn't there for most people you know um and so that that's it you also do see her with some nice moments with um dolly wells's character anna that's and there is kind of moments where you feel this could have been explored more. You know, like there's there's a scene where they're out together, but then everything kind of shuts off. And it's just like, why? You, you really kind of, I feel the film suffers a little for not exploring these things you know it's just like why did Lee shut off when Anna reaches out for her you know like what was the real reason Uh, and this isn't really vocalised in any way or kind of just shown um so yeah there's kind of that that I think would have been a benefit and like at the end of the film like there's there's moments that 
I feel could have been probably elaborated a bit more because you're not really kind of seeing them and the 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 relationship with Jack because it's seen only in two ways and you're you're thinking right but what is like what is it that really was a driving force here was it the alcohol is that the only thing you know because I think that's what it can feel like and so you kind of wonder like is there anything else there is it because they're both outcasts like what is the kind of yeah real driving force of that situation if you're a fan of the kind of um you know the slower moving piece that is looking in at someone then yeah i do think this is for you um and it will be playing saturday the 20th at 11:30 a.m then at and that's at the embankment garden cinema then later on at 5 p.m. at the Prince, the Picture House Central um, Cinema. Then Sunday the 21st at 8.30 at the BFI South Bank. Um, I I think the 11.30 on the Saturday and the 8.30 on the Sunday, those showings, I think, are possibly sold out. But if you arrive early, you may be able to get, like, returns. But the um, 5pm at Picture House Central on Saturday the 20th, that screening, I think you should be fine with. And so, um, yeah, that's Can You Ever Forgive Me? Another film I saw today was Only You. This is from director and screenwriter Harry Wultif. It's produced by Tristan Goliga, um, Matteo de Bracunia, Rachel de Graval, uh, Claire Mandel and Sean Whelan. And it's starring Leah Costa, Josh O'Connor and Peter Wright. It's 119 minutes and it's from Curzon Artificial Eye. Okay, so as Glasgow celebrates New Year's Eve, a chance encounter brings Jack, who's played by Josh O'Connor, and Elena, who's played by Leia Costa, together with the attraction and together and the attraction is instant. Sexy and smitten, they're totally swept up in each other and the relationship develops at speed. Sure there's an age gap, but not one that matters to them, especially when everything feels this good. 
but this bliss is tested when a couple considers starting a family and hit a brick wall of biology. For her feature debut, Harry Wootiff has created an authentic romantic drama that is fearless in its look at modern love, particularly the emotions and protagonists practicalities surrounding fertility it's a really explored topic brought vividly to life by O'Connor and Costa two of the most charismatic on-screen presences in contemporary cinema um so yeah you know this what this film it starts off um we're at a new year's party and then it just builds from that, you know. Um, and, you know, we've seen this kind of scenario in films before, like um, About Time starts with a New Year's party. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it is one of those um, tropes used in, in these kind of romantic films. And I think, um, you know, the story moves along nicely to start with I think one of the things is like it's not trying to be a comedy but it does try and put comedic elements into um, some of the interactions and dialogue like um, when discussing and revealing age that's definitely it was definitely written in a way to to make people laugh as the film goes on though the tone changes but there's still some of that attempt at comedy within the script which doesn't seem to then work with how the film is progressing you know like some of the dialogue it's not it doesn't feel as realistic as it, it as it would be in a certain situation like some of the incident incidences feel forced and um a little foreign, you know. I I I think also like with the subject matter and the whole fertility situation, like this is a topic we have we have. I mean, we've seen this in films, we've seen this in TV, and it seems to go down a bit of the same route. As these other incidences, and for me, it has the same issues because when you're talking about fertility, whenever you see it depicted, always the couple have been trying for six months at the most. Before they go, there must be an issue. You know, it, it's never 
like you know oftentimes they've been trying for three months and they're like oh we're not pregnant there must be a problem you never see them try for longer and this is a big issue because i feel it then helps perpetuate the theme that if you're not pregnant within six months there's a problem and that's not always the case the amount of people i know where it's taken them like a year two years before they fell pregnant and that never gets kind of shown and this is the thing if it was just one group of people i knew where that happened you'd be like oh well yeah six months is the norm but it really isn't because i'm telling you like the amount of people i know and it took this long to get pregnant now don't get me wrong i also know people where they got pregnant literally straight away they winked at each other and they were pregnant but i think we're in film and television it it's only showing the one instance it's only showing the three to six months instance and that's a big problem i feel you know, because it's it's not being fair with the issue. It's it, I think it helps make people feel paranoid and like there's something wrong with them. And so it would have been nice to have seen a um yeah a longer time frame with um you know with the whole fertility issues but um yeah yeah like look the performances aren't bad as i said like there are issues with the dialogue like there are some issues with the camera as well there's it like there's a lot of scenes where the cameras are really jerky around and like zooming in zooming out cutting really quick and fast angles and it it it, it makes a kind of a disjointed scene like i don't really feel there was a need for it you can have a free-flowing camera that's fine but when there's a lot of jerkiness to it yeah it, it makes a scene uncomfortable and so it then makes it kind of harder to watch and digest which is a shame you know it, it is a problem but um yeah i i look a lot of other people i know who were in the screening did enjoy the film a lot more than myself but hey i you know i when it comes to kind of depictions of love on screen i do have issues with with you know what's being said um a lot of the time you know because sometimes what they're depicting is more lust and love you know um and you have issues with that you know the dialogue the way people um interact and things like that but yeah like there are some really sweet and nice moments in this film um but yeah it just yeah it it didn't quite work for me 
but I think if you're a fan of of, of stuff like One Day, um, Me Before You, you know, those sort of films, then I think this this will be for you, and you would definitely enjoy this film. Um, you will be able to see it next um, Saturday the 20th at 12.30pm and that's at the Curzon Soho and then Sunday the 21st the last day of the festival at 5.45 again at the Curzon Soho Cinema so you know if you do like a romantic film there and you know things like one day um is your cup of tea then you know why not make this one of the last films that you see in the 62nd london film festival so i just saw dublin old school this is from director dave tynan um it's produced by dave lee Mike Donnelly Screenplay is by Emmett Kiwan And Dave Tyne Tynan um, And it's starring Emmett Kiwan And Ian Lloyd Anderson It's 95 minutes And it's from Warrior Productions And the basic breakdown is Jason, who's played by Emmett Kiwan, is all set to cane his way through a zillion different drugs on a bank holiday weekend in Dublin. Then he runs into his estranged brother Daniel, a homeless junkie trying to kick the habit, whom Jason has had assumed to be dead. As the weekend bender progresses, Jason hits the city and it hits back, leading to run-ins with the Garda, errant London DJs and Gemma, Sienna Kerslake, the girlfriend that got away. Rising star Kiwan adapted the script from his play, recently produced by the National Theatre, with debut director Dave Tynan. It's witty and energetic filmmaking, beautifully capturing the pleasure of mates hanging out, the fawny nature of fraternal bonds, and the moments that define who we are. Okay, well... Um... I think with this film, like it's dis- it's essentially a discovery story, because you do have, um, yeah, what it seems like Jason trying to find how he's fitting in with things. You know, it's a relationship he's looking at with his brother, his relationship with um, his friends. Um, like he he's first to be a DJ, and then you've got um, like his relationship with Gemma, 
And so you're seeing him in all these different scenarios. And I think he's trying to... Trying to be a better person. But also, he's a bit of an arsehole. So, you know, it's all these kind of conflicts where... I think he wants to do the good thing, but he's also just out for him. You know, he's out for the high. He's out for, yeah, just what benefits himself. And so that's what we're seeing all the way through. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't... It's weird because, you know, it, it says that the film is over this weekend. But when you're watching it, that's not very clear that this is... Just this long bank holiday weekend, you know, like the time frame of it is, it is odd when you're watching it because you just you're not quite sure, like how many days is this? What really is this? So you, yeah, you kind of have that, and you so you're trying to gauge things off of just what you're seeing. But yeah, the main thing is this is this drug fueled discovery voyage that um yeah doesn't always I think it as a viewer you're not getting everything. Yeah, I think maybe it's a problem because it's being adapted from a play. But it's not as clear what's always happening and how it's happening if you understand you know like obviously you see them doing a certain thing but it's just like but why are they doing that thing I'm not quite sure at the moment because I'm a bit confused like I think um Kermit does a good job at playing this this kind of asshole, but um, like I don't know if you really see some of the others enough to have them evoke real feelings in you. You know, like the, the, the I mean, he's I would say his brother does portray um, someone kind of lost pretty well and trying to find forgiveness ink yeah I, I I yeah I think his brother Daniel does does kind of exhume that so that that feels real but the rest of it I'm yeah I don't know it it does seem like train spotting light but you know I don't want to give it a disservice but yeah it's hard to really pinpoint it because it is a bit kind of all over the place like some of the actions are just like but why you know how is that happening so it's a bit hard to kind of pan it all together. But I think 
Um, if you're a fan of things like um, train spotting, um, a, a fan of human traffic, then uh, you know I think this will resonate with you. But um, yeah, yeah. I think the next opportunity to see it will be Sunday the 21st at 3pm at the Curzon Soho Cinema um, I think that might be sold out but if you arrive half an hour an hour early there's always the opportunity of getting return tickets so um, yeah you know it's always giving it's always worth giving these things a go and if not yeah check places like i think the curzon prince charles and there is always that possibility of them um screening it you know a few more times there was a Q&A session after the film so i'm going to uh leave you with uh, uh, some words from Dave Tinnan and Emmett Kiwan.
COVID positive because you didn't get any options with um, you know, those are only like the, the really bad ones that are really disruptive, but you managed to also show that those are usually really good fun. And I wonder, like for example, the Irish Film Board had any issues with that? Did you have anything you had to change? I probably had an issue with being like a premiere when I walked up on stage and was telling everyone you know, and they said, no, it's a film about brothers, it's a film about Belgium, but the more important is the 1.2 million movie performance by the Arts Council, they're getting mad at it. translation of, you know, put your hands down, you know, whatever, it's like it's, they, they both work on screen or something up to trust the camera. Uh, I guess the last answer is plasticity. Uh, they weren't doing it in a, like you do it on stage, like everyone was quiet for you because they're coming from the streets and Dublin streets are busy and loud and people like cameras. And so the lot of takes to go straight to the music. That kind of sense of real alive, I can only imagine, is the way to do that. You get a lot of people with cameras, and when, when a camera goes up to someone, you get a lot of this kind of in the background. 
the same though with the adaptation. You know, um, Michelle from it, it is that thing. It's the theater can kind of do whatever you want. It, you know, loads of constricted space. This is obviously a hundred different film. You know what I mean? But you write it and you write it once, and then it gets rewritten in the edit. So they and the edit are essentially have to do another draft of it. You know. So what you think might have worked on the page and what we would have seen off on the mind. Oh, that's great. Just the actual fundamentals of the filmmaking. And, and as you said earlier, with physics again, you know, it's like you both pull that off. It, but then a brilliant editor can make something out of what you thought was lost or was gone, and they swab it, find some sort of B-roll footage and they can fit something into it. And they, and they can make things as well that necessarily weren't particularly funny. You know, sometimes they say that from film set, you know, people aren't laughing at good signs. You know what I mean? They're very, like, because sometimes you're on a wood, you're on a film set, everybody's breaking a lot of glass, and then you go to the cinema and it's just dead silence, you know? So the editor makes it funny as well. But um, yeah, I don't know, that's probably the old return of going to the play, but well, yeah, I mean the, the thing about the play, as someone said earlier, I, I played with everyone else in the play, so it's very different from actors is that you've got the sole focus on one character, so and they're trying to kill the character with the same sole, but you know, you focus on that one little thing, um, and you get to kind of Okay, so before Assassination Nation, um, the director, Sam Levinson, and um, one, of the, one of the stars of the film, Harry Neff, they came up and gave a little talk about the film, um, what well, Harry did, um, Sam did a video, um, so I'm going to play those and then we're going to get into the review. 
we've got a few minutes to have a little chat before the film starts. So yeah. I wonder if I could ask you um, what it was about about this script that first appealed to you, and why did you want to play this part? It was the first script that I encountered that kind of nailed the way I talk and the way I talk to my friends and the way I talked when I was a teenager. A lot of the um, representations of teenage girls that I come across reading scripts and see on TV and in films, that they seem sort of reductive and sanitized in a way. And these girls are crazy and nasty and fun. And that felt real in a way I hadn't encountered before, which is strange because a man wrote it. So it's the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> And like I said a minute ago, it's very much about kind of female solidarity. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the experience on set and particularly your relationship with your co-stars. Well, there was my lifelong friend at this point. We had such a good time. I mean, Sam dropped us in the center of New Orleans, Louisiana, in the heat of the Mardi Gras festival, which is insane. So we got into a lot of trouble offset. We would dust it off and go to set and. It was an intense film to shoot at points, so we really grounded each other and had each other's back. There was a lot of cuddling, and um, it was cute and innocent. It was such a good time. And of course, we haven't s these guys haven't seen the film yet, so I don't want to give uh, give anything away. But were there any particular challenges that you faced when you were when you were shooting this film? Um, well, something they don't teach you in acting school is how to get pushed into a pool with rocks in your pockets 18 times in a row. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, and lastly, I just wanted to ask you, what is it that you would like audiences to take away from this film? Well, we do weave in some themes that we've got going on. I think that we address this dearth of empathy we seem to have in this very politically polarized time on either side of the pond. And we're trying to encourage people to, um, you know, bring a sense of empathy and a desire to listen rather than override when they're interfacing. But mostly we just want people to have fun because it's crazy. And like yell at the screen, throw your popcorn, spike your slushy. This movie is insane and it's about having a good time with your girls. And your boys, if they're cool. So. <laughs> um, as I said, we have a, a short video from, um, from Sam, so enjoy that. But please join me in giving a huge thank you to Hari for being here tonight. but I'd like to uh, extend my uh, deepest gratitude to the London Film Festival for having us. Um, uh, I am so thankful um, to be premiering the film here before uh, our UK release. Um, I started writing this movie five days before my wife gave birth to our child um, and it just poured out of me. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I wrote, you know, literally in the delivery room, not while the baby was being born, but um, I, I did take a break. But uh, but I, I think I was responding to a very, you know, um, honest anxiety within me about raising a child in a world that I felt was outwardly celebrating um, uh, kind of 
viciousness and aggression and mob rule um, and vigilanteism. Um, and uh, and it's you may find this movie shocking or funny or absurd. I, I wrote it initially as a satire, and by the time I locked picture, it was a little closer to reality uh, than I think I would wish. But um, I, I hope you enjoy it. Again, thank you so much for uh, for having us. Um, Uh, so, um, Assassination Nation, whoa, what can be said about this film? Alright, just to start off with, you know, the details, it's directed and written by Sam Levinson, uh, it's produced by David S. Gower, Kevin Turin, Anita Gu, uh, Matthew J. Malek, Manel Georgia and Aaron L. Gilbert. And it's starring Odessa Young, Suki Waterhouse, Harry Neff, Abra, and Bella Thorne. And it's 110 minutes. And it's from Universal Pictures. Um, Assassination Nation opens with cinema's most ambiguous trigger warning. As a montage of lurid images unfold on screen, viewers are advised that the subsequent film contains, among other things, sexual content, toxic masculinity, homophobia, transphobia, guns, racism, the male gaze, sexism, torture, fragile male egos. However, this seemingly endless list of misdemeanors is certainly no last minute apology it is a celebration and now that everyone is primed for exactly what's in store director sam levinson can truly let rip salem high school senior lily and her girl pals exist in a supposedly safe social media bubble documenting and sharing their aspirational lives with fastidious dedication but there are some secrets that even these young exhibitionists wouldn't want to reveal. When a targeted data pack exposes the private lives of the town's residents, mob mentality prevails and Salem quickly descends into a breeding ground of mayhem and murder. With Lily and her gang smack bang in the centre, a worthy successor to the rebellious spirit of subversive teen classics such as Heather's The Doom Generation and more recently Spring Breakers, Levinson's sensory assault is a bitingly prescient rally cry for the Me Too era boasting some refreshingly progressive gender politics and an anarchic social conscience. It's an absolute riot in every sense of the word. Now, true, but I think, like, this film, essentially, it's about shining the light on the current moral landscape. And that's what we're really seeing here. Like, you know, I think 
things things aren't just necessarily what they seem you know we we i think everyone is seeing the way people live their lives and you're living the life trying to project that everything is great there's no problems there's no worries we're all having fun look at me i've just logged into this location i'm having a great time here yo my life is amazing but that's not really it like the amount of times you see people having a miserable time, then they take pictures and they're all smiling, tongues sticking out, you know, acting wild. But as soon as the flash stops, it's back to the drab disappointment of their reality. And that's what this film does. It shines the light on that. You know, it's it's saying, look... What are we? Yeah. What really is the driving force in our moral compass? What separates us from the animals? And um, yeah, the questions, man, the questions, because boy, sometimes you wonder, you know, you really do. I the um like Levinson he uses some interesting camera angles. Um like at the beginning he's he incorporates a kind of feel to represent it would seem like the Instagram live kind of way people live their life. So you get this split screen of three different Things taking place, and that's what it seems. It's like people are doing that Facebook Live, Instagram Live, and that's what he's showing you. He also there's a lot of like zoom out shots that kind of pan across, and you're seeing things kind of unfold as people might move into view of the camera, then they disappear, and then they'll come back in. Um, so yeah, we're we're seeing that, um, but what there is is this this facade. There's this facade of like everyone pretending to like each other, like people kind of sexualizing what they're doing because they feel that will get them noticed. And this film, it's just this call to action on a lot of things that are taking place. I, I think you could say that maybe the beginning is very long. Because I think it probably takes about an hour before it really kind of kicks into probably some of the stuff that you've seen in trailers, I can imagine. But that beginning part of this it does let you essentially see the kind of build up it sets the 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 pace of the the situation you know it's it's building up to the point where the only way for it to go 
is explosion and fallout, you know, and, um, yeah, some of the performances are extremely good, you know, like, I think everyone really kind of steps up in a great way, and, um, yeah, exhumes their talent, uh, and it's fascinating, but, um, Yes, I would say it's it's a it's an interesting film and if you are interested in I think the moral compass of today's society then this could be for you. So, you will be able to see it Saturday the 20th at 2:30. That will be at the Embankment Garden Cinema. Then Sunday the 21st at 8.30 at the Prince Charles Cinema. So yeah, you could end your film festival experience with this film. Which, I, you know, I'd say it wouldn't be a bad thing. Wouldn't be a bad thing. Like, all I would say, at the end, the way the film ends, it's it's good, but just before that, you do think, well, how? Because it says something at the very end, and you're, but bef- just before what, you, what you've seen, you do think, how? You know, like, how? Because I really have no clue. Um, So maybe they could have done it in a way that didn't make you just automatically be like, huh? But the very end, I think, is good. So, yeah. Check out Assassination Nation. Because it is an interesting film, for sure. So I managed to squeeze in an extra film today and I'm really glad that I did. I um I went to see Lady World. So uh this is from director Amanda Kramer. Um it's produced by Thomas R. Burke, Lee Naim, Jamie Dolan, and Amanda Kramer. Um Amanda also wrote the screenplay with Benjamin Sheen. Uh, the film stars Ariella Berra, Annalise Basso and Maya Hawke. It's 93 minutes and it's from the film sales company. Uh, the The breakdown of this film is when a violent earthquake leads Uh, Let's start again. When a violent earthquake leaves them cut off from the outside world, eight teenage girls attending a birthday party find themselves trapped in an underground apartment. As their isolation breeds paranoia, the gang become divided, battling against each other to maintain a sense of control in a seemingly hopeless situation. 
and it's a situation made worse when one of the girls claims to have seen a mysterious man lurking in the basement. What begins as a neat female twist on Lord of the Flies mutates into something far more beguiling and infinitely more unknowable. The uncanny world created by director Amanda Kramer is not only one of mistrust, jealousy and shifting allegiances, but also of eccentric style and playful design, a bona fide curiosity that is as hypnotic as it is dreamily intangible. Uh, I have to say, this is definitely something interesting and it feels so new like amanda kramer has just come on the scene with with just this vision and she does such a great job at manifesting like so many different conflicting emotions on the screen at one time she plays with sound and vision as well to such an effect that it creates these really eerie and tense situations it's um yeah it, it is definitely something that needs to be seen you know i think from the description you can have um a certain kind of thing in mind but what the film is, is so much more. It's, um, I think it's very frenzied. You, um, you know, from, from the very beginning, we get a sense of controlled fear when the girls are talking at the start. Um, because you have Olivia and... Another girl with a doll, I forget her name, but they're talking and they're trying to stay controlled. They're start trying to be, you know, try look at the bright side of the situation and think that help will be on its way soon. But you can see the anxiety, you can see the fear, the worry, the concern in them. And and this is reflected without them saying, I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm concerned. And to be able to do that is just, you know, that's a that's a is a true skill, you know. Um I think that throughout we're seeing these different changes in like how the girls are, like to, the coping mechanisms that they're using to um, deal with the situation. Like you have them like chanting, um, wearing face paint, dressing up, you know, like trying to say, look, we're warriors, we're not frightened, this is us, hear us roar. Ah! You know, they're trying to do it to go, look, I'm not scared, I'm not scared. You know, it's like you pick on those around you and especially those you feel weaker than you to hide the fact that 
you have insecurities yourself And we see this And it's like with a lot of these scenes You then have this music in the background Well, I, it's, you know, I wouldn't actually say it's music It's just like these noises These chants All helping to build the mood Like ba ba bum ba ba bum Ha 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 ba ba bum ba bum You know, you're hearing that And you're seeing the girls like perform and do stuff And it's like building and building and building and building And it's just like (sighs) You just have these moments You know, like these crazy moments And it just The atmosphere that's on screen is so tense Damn, it's just like, you know, you don't see films like this a lot So, you know, from Yeah, from from someone who's so early in their career Like, to do this it, It's just Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, um it's really good, you know. I, I I just hope enough people can get to see the film because I know it doesn't have um, UK distribution at the moment. But you know, I think with with word of mouth from d- all the festivals, you know, um, hopefully that it will pick up traction and it will. It, yeah, yeah, it it, it will. Um, you know, get someone to pick it up, but, uh, yeah, it's just like, look, in the film, you're having the girls, like, they're making self-confessions, you know, trying to cope with a situation, so, like, especially Olivia, she's just like, look, I'm scared, you can do what you want, I don't care, you can be the leader if you want, I, you know, we just want this, can we just have that? And it's, you know, trying to bargain, trying to make things palatable. But it doesn't, it can't work. Because there's this fight, you know, there's this fight for control. Because, you know, you're trapped. So the only thing you can do is try and control the situation around you at that moment in time. So the girls see this and they're like, look, no. We we got to do this, so yeah. Everyone's like jumping sides, trying to um, trying to make a claim. You know, calling yourself women. You know, we're not girls. We're women. We're women because women, little girls, are scared. Women are beyond that. You know, women don't get scared. They can deal with situations It's just all these different things That are kind of Adding to To the The texture Of this moment That they, they find themselves in You know and, and that's the That's the greatness Of this script of these performances Because everyone is, You know the performances Are just Spectacular You know they're so good Because you know at the beginning They're trying to show nonchalance But 
A, you know, that changes as time goes on, as the fear seeps in. You know, they're just like, oh, is death round the corner? What are we doing? How are we coping? It's just, um, yeah, I, I, I look. It, I would say it's definitely worth, definitely worth checking out. Um, and you will be able to see it. On Saturday the 20th, so the penultimate day of the festival, at 6pm at the Rich Mix Cinema. So, definitely go and uh, see if you can grab yourself a ticket. Uh, Also, look, today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Amanda... To talk about like just her experiences and like you know some of the things that went into play when putting this film together, you know it. Unfortunately, we didn't get in, you know in like I feel we could have sat for ages and talked. Amanda is so vibrant and just energetic and she was just a joy to talk to so um yeah i i hope that you know you enjoy this like um you know as i've said before look, uh, some of the audio you know there's de- there is background noise because look we we having to do a lot of this in um rooms where a load of interviews and things are taking place but you know i i think you can make out what we're saying i don't think that's a problem so uh yeah just enjoy it and um yeah if you get the opportunity to see the film go take that cool so that's lady world okay so i'm here with amanda kramer the director of lady world Yes. Thank you, Amanda, for this time. Thank you for having me. No worries. How are you? How are you finding the film festival? It's wonderful. I love London. I love are London. Are you just saying that because no. you're here? When no. you get to New York, are you going to be like, I love this New York? No, no. I mean, I'm so American at this point <laughs> that I will take any ex- any opportunity not be in America. <laughs> any opportunity. <laughs> but I especially love London. I've been walking around on foot. I haven't taken the tube anywhere, so I've just been looking at buildings, and it's mm. amazing. Oh, yeah, the different architecture. It's crazy. It's, it's gorgeous. Just, uh, yeah, I, that, I think that's the one great thing about, you know, not taking the tube and just walking and looking up and viewing everything. Absolutely. My, my favorite thing about it that's so unlike New York and Los Angeles is that even the areas that people say are the worst tourist traps... The buildings are still so beautiful. The streets are still so beautiful. So even though it's like the most annoying or irritating part of the city, if you look up, yeah. if you just don't look on eye level, but if yes. you look up, exactly. it's beautiful. So yeah, and also BFI is just so wonderful and, and mm. it's an incredible, it's incredible to be anywhere where filmmakers are supported by their yeah. governmental bodies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how important has that been in your career for making, like, these films? It's, you know, we, we're so... I'm so independent, and I say that not just in spirit, but <laughs> in actuality. 
that it's just it seems so it seems like a dream to be anywhere where uh, there's built-in support there's arts funding there's a community um, you build all of that by yourself essentially in America so there's this longing to be in a country where um, you know supporting the arts is still very vital and, yeah, yeah. and is a societal uh, you know desire so everyone wants it to maintain and no one wants anyone to lose their funding mm. and yeah it's amazing uh, it's amazing so lady world yes yeah how do you feel about this? um you know getting to show your work is well it's the one of the weirder parts of the process I think I made the film in almost like a fever dream. <laughs> I barely remember being there. I barely remember it happening. Um, I remember enjoying it, but only <laughs> only a little bit. So, so I think that this this part of the journey where audiences start to watch it is very new to me. Yeah. Because now I open myself up to criticism. Before I was in a very small bubble yeah. where I'm just making it's my process um, my art and now it belongs to someone else because it's something other people can watch mm, mm. so I don't have an answer yet as to how I feel about it but I welcome criticism and I, I welcome hatred I welcome love I, wel I welcome all of it yeah well I think that's the thing isn't it if you shut yourself off from everything it stunts your growth because even if people, even if you don't agree with what someone says, you think about the process you've used, and it you think, what a good right, point. maybe next time, oh, I can tweak it slightly, and, and and you can make certain changes, not changes because you were wrong, but just changes to increase the accessibility of something. Sure, I I want to be in an emotional conversation with audiences and critics. I want to be in a academic or intellectual relationship so if someone sees my film and has an incredibly thoughtful negative reaction I'm fascinated to hear mm. that um, I want the A or the F yeah. I don't want the C yeah, yeah, I want to yeah, leave an impression yeah. and even if that's a negative one I'm I'm intrigued by that mm. so I think it's a it's a it's a great thing regardless whether people really gel to the film or whether they're turned off by it I want to see what that experience is from from my side of it. You know, have someone just look at me in the face and say, "I hated your film," <laughs> and say, "Okay, why? What can I learn from this?" Um, but I do think too that the performances are. I'm just so endlessly proud of the actresses and the performances that for me, the best part of the film is not my work; it's their work. So I get to still be a fan. Mm. of the film and take my own ego and vanity out of it and just watch them perform and enjoy them. Right. Yeah. How was the cast? Um, how, how was it? Yeah, yeah. Did you, like, did you, did you have anyone in mind for the roles? Like, did you have to see a lot of people for each part or was there certain people that just jumped off straight yeah. away? Well, I don't um, audition anyone because I don't like that process. Uh. I think it doesn't bring out the best in actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just like this. I like to have conversations with actors. I like to meet them for coffee, and I like to talk to them about their lives. Mm -hmm. um, I 
I think that they need to audition me as much as I need to audition them, you know? What if they don't like me? What if they don't like my process? Um, and it's important because we have a very intimate thing to do together. So you want to feel like they're going to enjoy it along with you. So the main uh, prerequisite is, did you like the script? Do you like the character? Do you want to go on this adventure with me? And these are the conversations I was having with girls. And very quickly, like you said, you start to feel magic in the room. You start to feel a connection. And you know you have to have them. You just have to have them on screen. And some of the actresses walk in the room, and as they're walking to my table, I know that I want them. They don't even have to sit down. Some, it's because we've been talking for hours, and I've started to get to know them and just enjoy them as women. Um, so it's just really me having conversations and not uh, girls reading lines or going on tape. It's a very organic process. Oh, you know what? That sounds that sounds like you know a great way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, I get to drink a lot of coffee, <laughs> which, is not, which is never a bad thing. Which is never yeah. a bad thing, and I get to be charmed by people. And I think there's so much charm in this business that we have to sidestep because we have to be so uh, laser focused mm. on the capitalistic aspect of it, like who's a big star, who's been in this or that, and I like to just get around all of that and just be with an actor and see what they seem like. I mean, because their job really is to convince so many people. Can they convince me? (laughs) Can we have 30 minutes where they convince me Mm. of something? Um, I'm the first line of defense. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm the only one on set really watching them. Uh, So I'm the first eyes. And I want to have an intimate relationship with them. And, you know, in in a film like this, which is a very stressful film, a very dramatic film, a very hectic film, um, I also want to feel like they're going to be calm as people because we have so much to do on set. Okay, so yeah. how did the, um, you know, there's a ch- the story starts with like, the earthquake, which, which sets it all off. Was it important for it to be an earthquake? Could it have, you know, why did you set on these circumstances as the genesis for this story? I just wanted a sort of catastrophic event I just wanted the world outside to seem potentially gone. And I'm from Los Angeles, and I've lived through many earthquakes. And most of them, um, you know, it's just a little shaken. But there's always that fear in the back of your mind that one day the shaking will never stop, and the earth will open up and start swallowing people whole. Um, The planet's not very happy with us, as it is, so anything is possible. Um, and you know, every year uh, you hear stories, the big ones coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, what if the, what if the big one comes and uh, some girls are in the middle of a birthday party? <laughs> what happens next? Ah, uh, you know? Okay. So, I, so to me, it was just a catalyst to get them sort of trapped together and to feel like the outside world was unsafe. Yeah. But it could have been anything. A tsunami, <laughs> a tornado, a nuclear bomb. Uh, it's just what I know. Yeah. What I've lived through. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, all right, I'm going to squeeze in. 
What would um, what are you hoping people take from this? That's so hard, but I really do. I really do want audiences to appreciate the acting. Yeah. The performances, I think, are supreme, and I feel like young actresses, especially teenage ones, are always given very. I don't know. The roles are usually so happy. There are always archetypes of of these girls you just you don't know and you never see and they're performing these roles that have been around since the 80s and it's time for I think young actresses to get more challenging adult material Mm. kids are growing up so fast and they're so much more complicated and intelligent and emotionally intelligent than we give them credit for and so I really feel like these actresses in particular are giving classic performances like Gina Rollins or, you know, Glenn Close. Like, they're, they're doing things that are really advanced. And so I hope that people watch the film and see that in them and see these extremely dark and brutal performances and really applaud the girls for the, the journey they were able to go on in their craft. Fantastic. Yeah, let's, let's, let's hope that Lady World isn't just a, sh- a little, uh, you know, shuffle. It's like one of those big ones. I hope one so. One of those big ones that shapes things up. I hope so. Maybe it'll be its own earthquake, you know? Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. And do we know where we'll see you next? Um, well, I've written something, and okay. so now I have to do the epic shuffle of figuring out how to get it paid for. Uh, That's my job. Okay. But I'm in development on something now that um, I think I'm, I'm really proud of and I can't wait to do it. And this time it's going to be with a bunch of teenage boys. So we'll see how that goes. Ah, interesting. <laughs> we'll see if I'm, yeah. I'm good with them. Okay. Well, you know, I, I hope Lady World goes well. Thank I'm you. I'm interested in seeing the new project. And, Thank you. Um, yeah, hopefully we get a chance to sit down and talk about that. I hope so too. Yeah. Let's keep doing this. Outstanding. Every year, let's just do yeah. it. <laughs> right. That's cool with me. It's been a pleasure, Amanda. Thank yes, you very for me much. too. Thank you. Great. So that's another episode, and tomorrow we're gonna bring you, um, ooh, definitely a private war. Um, if Bill Street could talk. And hate you give. Might try and squeeze some other stuff in, but we'll see how it goes. Cool. Okay, enjoy your penultimate day of the festival.